Let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, just uh, thank you so much today that we could uh, be together and enjoy this service. Uh, Lord, we would pray now as we turn to Scripture that you would really speak um, in, a, in a profound way and that we might understand and, and love and uh, honor the mums, the women uh, who are in our lives. We thank you for this Mother's Day and uh, just pray that this, uh, along with everything else, might truly be a blessing for the mums who are uh, watching in today. So be with us now, Lord. Bring your word to life and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is Mother's Day, and I want to begin by uh, wishing all the mums here a, a happy Mother's Day. I hope that this is a day where the people who love you will uh, honor you and uh, communicate to you how much they value you and truly how much they do love you. And I just hope you have a fantastic day. We're going to step away from the Sermon on the Mount a little bit today, uh, but not away from the series that we are in at the moment, Jesus, You've Got to Be Kidding Me. Uh, what I want to do for a few weeks is to think about the same theme, think about what it means to live in the kingdom of heaven, but do so from the perspective of family life. What, what does it mean to, to live as families in the kingdom of heaven where Christ is king, where the rule and reign of God exists in our homes? What does that mean for the relationships that we have with one another? By definition, it's going to mean something different than the way other people live. As we follow Christ, as we know his heart, and as we pursue his will and his way. So I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 5 today, and we're going to start to dig into the relationships in family uh, that we have and, and what being in the kingdom of heaven, uh, what difference that makes. There's a sequence in the passage that I'm going to be looking into first today and for another couple of weeks. The first one deals with how women are, wives are to relate to their husbands and then how husbands are to relate to their wives and then how children are to relate to their parents. And in that last sermon, also how parents are to relate to their kids. So we're going to look at family dynamics, family relationships, and uniquely how these relationships are to function within the kingdom. I hope you'll find this meaningful and significant, especially today. Listen, I'm going to take this passage and I'm going to read it to you, but I want to let you know for many people it's a controversial passage because this is the text that calls women wives to submit to their husbands. So let me read it to you, then let me unpack it for you and to really teach you what the text is about. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 27 is where we'll focus at the moment. It says there, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemishes, but holy and blameless. Now listen, we're going to spend most of our time today talking about husbands loving their wives. Thought today, maybe that's the most appropriate passage that we can look at. A little out of sequence, but where we're going to go. 
But before I jump into that, I want to talk to you about this idea of wives submitting because it starts to unpack something really significant and really meaningful. You know, in our culture, this is a, a statement in Scripture that when people hear it, they often react to it. They can't accept it because this is not, from the culture's perspective, what women are to do anymore in marriage. You know, what, the message that comes from the culture is essentially, you know, women... Assert yourself in your relationships. You know, more, no more playing a secondary role to a man in any way. Um, demand your rights as a fully equal person in marriage and in relationship. Submitting to a husband doesn't make sense in this culture. Well, I want, as I've said, to really speak to this. And I, I want people to come to understand what Paul is saying here in this text before they... Judge it, if you would. And I'd love if people could understand the text and the beauty of it and the sense of it and start to apply it to their lives and their relationships. So to that end, what I want to do right off the top today is to go to the verse that precedes the passage I've just read to you. Because in that verse, verse 21, we uncover another kingdom principle, a principle to live by in the kingdom of heaven which quite frankly determines all of the relationships that I've described to you, wives to husbands, husbands to wives, children to parents. And that verse reads like this, 521. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You hear that? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I remember so well when I first really grappled with this verse and came to understand the significance of it, the power of it. What it's saying is everyone in the kingdom is to submit to everyone else, whether they're in the kingdom or not, as we'll see in a few minutes. Because submission is the way of the kingdom. It's how life is to happen in the kingdom reality, under Christ, in the rule and in the reign of God. Jesus teaches this principle over and over and over again. It can't be missed. It can't be misunderstood. And his message is not one of self-assertion at any point. It's not the demanding of rights at any point. It's not the refusal to take second place in any relationship. It's actually the opposite in each regard. Let me prove this to you. Let me, let me give some examples, both from Jesus and then from the Apostle Paul. Ma Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 35, begins a story. And in that story, the disciples, two of them, come to Jesus uh, privately. They don't want the other disciples to know because they want to share power with Jesus when he comes into his kingdom, when he comes into that place which they think is a political and military kingdom which will overthrow the Roman uh, oppression and set the people of Israel free. They want to rule at his left and his right, to be his left and right hand men, if you would. So let me read the, the, the response of Jesus to this when they actually come and speak to him in, these, in this fashion. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 42, all the way to verse 45. Jesus said, or he didn't say, but the text says, Jesus called them together, all of them, because the other disciples heard about this and got quite annoyed with the two who wanted the preferred positions. Jesus called them together and said, You now know those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles. Oh, let me do that again. You know 
those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Now, strong words, but I want you to hear and I want you to understand what Jesus is saying. In my kingdom, he is saying, we don't lord it over people. We don't exercise dominance and control in the lives of other people so that they end up serving our needs. Now, think about the, the context, the Roman occupation, where, where the, the, the Roman soldiers came in power and in might, and they exercised authority over the Israelites to control them so that they, the Romans, would benefit, not the people of Israel. And Jesus is saying, not in my kingdom. That's not how we do it. If you want to be great, Jesus says, you have to become a servant. And even in a more pointed way, he says, you have to become a slave. And he goes on to explain that he himself didn't come uh, to uh, be served, but to serve. Verse 45, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And there it is. Even Christ, the Son of God, came into this world not to be served, not to rule and reign over people, but he came to serve people's interests. You know, Jesus came by, and fulfilled the will of God by giving up his life, by dying on a cross so the price for our salvation might be paid, the price for the forgiveness of sin might be paid so that we might enter into the kingdom of heaven and know God and, and be a child of God and know the benefits and the blessings of being in his kingdom. Let me put it this way. Jesus submitted his life his preferences, his needs, his desires, his very being for us. You see it? That is the way of the kingdom. Let me jump over to, to Matthew chapter 5. This is the text where Jesus references the saying that was common in the day, an eye, and an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And he goes on to say that, you know, you know, we're not to function in that fashion. Um, we're not to return in similar fashion though, to, to those who have wronged us and who have harmed us, to those who have actually caused evil against us. And he gives four examples of what this might look like. Well, I want to read to you verse 45 from Matthew chapter 5. It's one of those four examples where he says this. Matthew, let me get this right now. Verse 45. Oh, I'm sorry. I, am I have not got the right text. What we need to do is read, from, read verse 41. It says there, If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. What's Jesus talking about here? Very literally in this day, with the Roman power, which was dominating and controlling the Israelite people, a Roman soldier had the legal, legal right to, at any point as he traveled, 
call on any of the Israelite people to carry his things for them for one mile. It might be his armor, it might be his food, it might be his clothing, it didn't matter. That soldier could literally say, you, now, take my things. And of course, this would be offensive to the Israelite people. This is the dominating, controlling way of the kingdom of Rome, if you would. And what Jesus says, <laughs> if you're in my kingdom, you need to respond as a servant. You need to not only go the one mile that is required of you, you need to go two miles to go way beyond what is required of you. Serve that Roman soldier's needs and do it with a willing and loving heart. I want to tell you, there is an instance, quite frankly, where there are two very different kingdoms being contrasted, two very different ways. And the way of the kingdom, Jesus is saying, is the way of submission, of servanthood. Let me flip over to Philippians and read to you that text that Paul wrote. It's, it's so well known. But again, here the Apostle Paul begins to unpack the very same kingdom principle that Jesus taught so often, both in the Sermon on the Mount and elsewhere. But let me read to you from verse 3, first of all. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Do you hear that? It's not about you. You know, th this life is not about you. You know, think about other people. Don't think selfishly. Rather, be humble in the presence of others and value others above yourselves. He's not saying others are more valuable, but he's saying you have to consider them as more valuable. Really important people whose needs need to be addressed. He goes on. Not looking uh, to your interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do you see it? What do other people need? What do other people want? What can I do to address them? Then it says this in verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Do you see what Paul is describing in this text? How Jesus came, as Jesus himself said, not to be served, but to serve by giving himself to death. It says in the text that he made himself nothing. He gave up the glory of, 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 of being God and being recognized of God. He became a human being, a dramatic step of humility, maybe even humiliation in a sense for, for, for the Lord himself. And in the end, he died for us. My friends, this is the way of the kingdom because this is the way of the king. You hear it? This, this way of yielding ourselves and giving of ourselves and, and submitting is the way of the kingdom because it is the way of the king. It is the way of Jesus. And we are to live in that fashion with one another, submitting to each other to honor Christ, the one who determines the way of the kingdom. To put it in the terms of Ephesians chapter 5, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, let's focus a little bit on husbands loving their wives. And we'll get to wives submitting to their husbands next week. 
We husbands are to love our wives the same way Christ loved the church, says in Ephesians, and gave himself up for her. Um, he died to bless the church. He died to bring goodness to the church. He died out of love for the church. And I'm talking about you and me. So that the church would end up holy, cleansed, radiant, without stain, wrinkle, or blemish, and blameless. That's what the text says. You see what Jesus was doing. The action he took was for the benefit of others, not himself. Now, guys, gentlemen among us, husbands, if we choose, we can try to control and use power and dominate our wives in order to get them to serve us. It's a possibility. We can act like the Romans, if you would. We can act like those who are living in a different kingdom, different realm, according to a different way. It's a possibility. You know, we can demand that our wives serve our interests so that we benefit. But I want to tell you this. What Jesus is saying in the texts that have been described, what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 5 is that thinking has no place in the kingdom of heaven. That thinking just doesn't fit. It doesn't belong among the people of God. You know, we can be like Jesus and we can submit our lives, submit out of love for our wives, our interests and our desires and our wants, our well-being even, to love our wives and to be good to them and to bless their lives. Hmm. Can I put it this way? As Jesus sacrificed his life for the church, we can sacrifice our lives in an ongoing fashion for the well-being of our wives. That's what this text is about, that they might be blessed. A few weeks ago now, I, I did what I'm calling the one COVID-19 wedding that I have performed. It uh, was uh, what you can imagine. Some of these we've seen on television. Very few people present, minister, couple, so forth. We exercised the six-foot or two-meter regulation, and we kept ourselves safe. The wedding was uh, made virtual by being... Uh, displayed on the internet and so forth so that others could participate, so that others could watch and hopefully enjoy uh, the couple being married. And just before the couple was about to uh, make their vows to one another, I said, let me just take a few minutes and speak to what you're about to do. And I, sp I spoke specifically about the vow to love one another for a lifetime. And I talked about this kind of self-giving love that we see in Jesus. This, this kind of sacrificial love that Jesus showed to us for our blessing. You know, the vow, essentially, was a vow of sacrificing, I'm saying to the couple, this is what you're about now, this is what you're entering into, this relationship where I'm willing to sacrifice of myself that you might be blessed. That I might make myself nothing to use the words of Philippians. To take on the nature of a servant from Philippians and, of course, from what Jesus said in the Mark passage. So that you might be blessed. 
so that you, you would find goodness in life. And I want to talk today to the, to the husbands who are listening. And I want, if you're a husband, you've been married, you've made the vow, haven't you? And I want to remind you that those vows essentially were made and they facilitated you and me entering into the role of, of humble servanthood. Entering into the role of us saying, listen, I value you as more important than me. That's how I'm considering you right now. That's, that's where I'm headed. That's what I want to do. And I, as a result, I'm going to live for your good above my own. Now, it's probably at this point that some men, husbands who are listening, might sit, sit back for a moment and if you're really grasping what I'm describing, your response very possibly could be, Jesus, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> you have got to be kidding me. Are you saying that I am to live first and foremost for my wife's sake? And the answer is yes. Are you saying that I am to be uh, not the served one, but the servant who serves the served one? Yes. Scripture is saying. Are you saying, some husbands might say, that I, I'm not to engage marriage for my own good, but for the good of my wife? And the answer is yes. My dreams, my preferences, my wants, my desires, you want me to let them go? You want me to yield my preference for hers? You want me to sacrifice things that are of importance to me so that she might know love and be blessed? In life? And the answer is yes. Guys, if you have never heard this before and you are in the kingdom, hear this now. You are to lay down your life for your wife. You, you are to give yourself to, to loving her and caring for her in any way possible. She is to become your priority, not you. And as you submit your life to her, as Christ submitted his life out of love for the church, you will be entering into this dynamic of kingdom living. Now, how do you do that? How do you do that? I want to suggest to you that's often not easy. I would suggest to you Jesus going to the cross was not easy. We know it wasn't. It was hard. And he needed to be committed to the will of God. And choose it in the end of the day. So sometimes it's a challenge, yes. Sometimes it's not so much. Well, in the last few years, uh, Heather, my wife, has been talking about a kitchen renovation. Um, and, and at the heart of the kitchen renovation would be to take our golden oak cabinets, 20 years old now, and paint them white. Well, my response has been for a little while something like this. You want to take perfectly good golden oak cabinets, wood, and paint over them? Bit of a horrifying idea to me. <laughs> and then you want to take down three cabinets in the side of our kitchen to open things up so that we might install two floating shelves? <laughs> and then as a result, as we modernize, we need new lighting. And then we'd have to add a backsplash, and you know how it goes. I'm told it's called the snowball effect. One thing might lead to another, which leads to another. 
Well, along came COVID-19. And people in my home that uh, could actually get this job done. And guess what? Take a look at this picture. Our cabinets are now white. The handles haven't arrived yet and haven't been attached. And there's much else to be done, but the cabinets are white. Now, part of the thinking in my mind is, not only did I not want to do this, think about the money that it will cost, and think about what else I might not be able to do because the money goes in that direction. But in the end of the day, the reno happened because, and I'm not wanting to pat myself on, on the back, but it illustrates the point, I submitted to my wife's desire. I blessed her. I loved her. Here's an idea that I'm, I might give to you that, that might help you put this all into practice. I suggested this to the couple that was married a couple of weeks ago. But I want to focus the comment particularly on husbands today. I want to suggest to you guys that you get into the practice of this every single day. That you get up in the morning and you say to your wife, Honey, I love you. I hope you tell your wife that you love her and I hope you tell her often. She needs to hear it. It's a blessing and it's a good, good thing. But get up in the morning and say, Honey, I love you. And then in the quietness of your mind, I don't want you to say it out loud, but just into yourself, say, And today, I'm going to sacrifice for you. You got it, guys? Honey, I love you. Out loud, verbally. Quietness of your mind. And today, I'm going to sacrifice for you. Because if you do that, you will be holding the, the principle of the kingdom um, in the forefront of your mind. And if you do that on a regular basis, not only will you hold it in the forefront of your mind, you'll probably begin to exercise that principle in real and practical ways. Some practical thoughts about how to make this happen. What about discovering the needs and the wants of your wife and then providing them? You know, I, I watched myself this week in preparation for this, this sermon. And um, there was one night this past week when I was sitting in my, my chair, you know, a lot of guys have their chair, and I was reading a book. It was at the end of the day, and I was enjoying sort of a time of quiet reflection and enjoying the book. And, and, and Heather, my wife, came along and sat down, and um, it was obvious that was, there were some things she wanted to share. And I had a decision to make. I didn't really want to give up the book. <laughs> I wanted to sit there at the end of my day and relax and do what I wanted to do. But you know what I chose to do? And probably because I was thinking of this, it was prominent in my mind. Honey, I love you and today I'm going to sacrifice for you. I sacrificed the book. I set it aside. And as Heather talked, and again, I could see it was important for her to tell me what was on her mind, I sacrificed my need to talk. I can talk quite a lot. <laughs> but in that moment, I just sat there and I was quiet intentionally to bless my wife. I sacrificed, as the conversation went along, one way, the opportunity to talk back to Heather and to tell her what I thought she needed to do in order to solve the problem she was describing. It was a sacrifice. 
And I want to tell you, in those moments, um, I submitted to my wife because I saw her need and I did what I was able to do in that moment to meet her need and that was for her to be really listened to. Now guys, I want to tell you, if you can learn to practice that, that will have a, a profound impact of blessing in your wife's life. It communicates value. It communicates love. It communicates care. You will be serving her needs and blessing her. Another way to go at this is, 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 is very simply to discover what the needs of your wife are. Now, my guess is a lot of us guys know a lot of the needs that our wives have, but I'm also thinking it's likely that most of us don't know all of them. And maybe there are times we don't even know what the most important ones are. So I want to suggest, there's a little homework for you today, Mother's Day, that you take a few minutes and you ask your wife, what are your needs? What are your wants? What are the things that are important to you that you want now? now sometimes those needs are practical. Uh, being a mom, especially when kids are little, it's, it's a busy, demanding job. It's hard. And sometimes you can, you can lighten her load by taking some of her task away from her so she has a little bit of freedom. That I failed in this week, quite miserably, actually, when I had opportunity to do that. But listen, if you can step in on occasion and you can lighten the load, my goodness, what a blessing that would be. Sometimes the need is relational. Sometimes, you know, you could encourage your wife to go out with a friend for a walk or, or to go out with her girlfriends and just enjoy being together with friends. Obviously, that'll happen later, but it can happen still. Well, you guys might hear that and you might say, but I have to look after the children. You know, and your eyes bug out and, you know, you go a little ap apoplectic. <laughs> Listen, we're talking about sacrificing for our wives. We're talking about meeting their needs. And yeah, if you've got to spend a night looking after the kids instead of doing what you might prefer to do otherwise, do it. Sacrifice for the woman you love. Care for her that way. Sometimes the need might be spiritual. Again, in the busyness of life, could you say, listen, we're going to take and establish a time every single day as I'm available, as I'm here, and I want you to go and spend half an hour with God in Scripture and in prayer. I'll look after the kids. I'll take care of the business so that you can go and you can be restored in your soul, so that you can be encouraged so you can find that peace that, that comes into one's life when they remember how much they're loved and the truth of God is spoken into their experience. How about the need for encouragement? Listen, by definition, a mom needs encouraged. <laughs> because again, what they do is hard. It's a challenge. And you know, we can encourage guys, our wives, by telling them how much we appreciate them and what we appreciate about them. Do you ever verbalize that? Say it. We can note their strengths that we see and what we value in them and thank them for what they bring to our relationship and to our family. Can tell her again what we feel about her. Tell her that you love her and tell her often. And that will, be, that, that will be meeting need. These things will be meeting the need for encouragement and, 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 and being built up in order to face the challenges which will come.
Listen, the needs will be fully dependent on the person. And guys, I want you to do it. I want you to go to your wife today and I want you to sit down in a quiet moment and say, what, are, what do you need right now? What do you really want? What do you long for in our relationship, in our family life? Whatever. And here's what I want to say, guys. We have been given a role to play by Jesus. We have to become like him, he says. Join me in kingdom living. Join me in sacrificing yourself for the sake of this person that you love so much. Choose to enter into the role of servant. Step away from the role of the person to be served in the relationship and serve your wife out of love. Jesus says, this is the way of my kingdom. This is how I want you to, to, to function within it. Come, join me in kingdom living. Come, bless your wife. Come and allow her to know how precious she is and how loved she is simply because you are serving her and loving her and sacrificing of yourself that she might be blessed and that she might know life. My friends, do this and we will see our, wi our wives thrive because they will know they are loved and they will know that they are blessed and that they will know that they are precious and valuable to us. They'll see it in how we treat them, how we submit ourselves, our interests and our desires for their sake. Not easy at times. A challenge, yes. But what we're called to in the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, again, uh, we just want to praise and thank you for mums, for all they do, for the sacrifices they make, for the efforts that they give, for the love that they show. Lord, for the impact that they have in the lives of children and the impact that they have in the lives of husbands. And Lord, today out of this text, we come and we want to pray for those husbands who are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Lord Jesus, your, your heart was for the church. Your passion was to see it cleansed and made holy and blameless. Your passion was to see the church of, of Christ become radiant because of your sacrifice for it. Lord God, in our heart of hearts, we want our, our wives to be blessed. We really do. We want them to know love as they see sacrifice from us for their sake. Lord, we want them to be radiant because of the way they are loved, because of the nature of their relationship and marriage, because of the love of a husband for them. So Lord, my prayer today is for the husbands who have this task, this calling, this opportunity. Lord, I pray that you'll teach all of us, and I include myself in this, teach us, Lord, to be like Jesus, who was willing to submit himself to the cross to die, that we might be blessed. So Lord, I pray that you will teach us as husbands to choose the role of servant, to be aware of the needs and the desires of our wives, to actively sacrifice ourselves and our wants and our interests so that they might thrive in life. Lord, this is the first step in uh, discussing family within the kingdom, but I pray, Lord, 
I pray that this will be a beginning to something new in the marriages of every person who is listening to this uh, sermon today. God, bless husbands. Enable them that they might bless wives, that these relationships might grow rich and deep and truly, deeply loving one to the other. Continue with us, Lord, through this week and as we gather again next week and we look at the role of wives, Lord, bless that too. And we just pray that you will make a difference in the marriages of this church and in the family functioning of this congregation. Help us to step more fully into kingdom living, Lord Jesus. Help us to become like you. And this we pray in your name. Amen.